I mean, I know I can sell. I think it was good. I can sell my part again. Maybe. Uh, I, 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 yeah. My part was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that the belief exists. Actually, <laughs> oh I kind of like that. But if you want me to do all that work again, I'm, I'm happy to do it. All that work? You said like three words. <laughs> So yeah, why, why don't why not give it another go? Now you know. What <laughs> now that we're all warmed up. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I'm Molly Nelson, the host of this podcast. I'm sitting next to Rochelle Smith. She is the producer of the podcast and also in the booth today, Lauren Merkel. He's a certified financial planner and a certified financial fiduciary and Abby Huntrods, a retirement income certified professional and a certified financial fiduciary. And you guys, I've got some amazing news, amazing news for you guys. Podcast broadcast exclusive. I figured it out. You know, we're in a presidential election year, presidential elections and the markets. People have a lot to say about the two. And I figured it out. The future of the Republic hinges on the next election. There it is. There's the big, bold statement I'm going to make for today. Do you guys believe it? They hate my questions. questions. Rochelle, you know what? I'm turning to you. Though These two, you know, do you believe it? The the future of the Republic. It does every year. Every Every year. Right? Every four years, Washington is broken and it needs fixing and someone's going to fix it for us or keep it fixed or make it better. And what we really want to get to the bottom of today, because we know you want to know, is it better for the market if a Republican is elected or is it better for the market if a Democrat is elected? So that is the big mystery that we are going to try to solve today. So here it is. Democrats, they're bad for the economy and the stock market because they favor big government and spending. Republicans, they're fiscally conservative and they're good for the stock market. There, podcast over. (laughs) Right? That, that easy. I figured it. Okay. You got it. Put some fancy music. Mystery fill the time, solved. Rochelle. Yeah, we can just throw your disclosure up there. Yeah. Okay. Good. Maybe we sing a little. I don't know. <laughs> there. I've solved, I've solved the problem. That, that It's that simple, isn't it, Lauren? It is that simple. <laughs> it can't get any more simple than that. I mean, this is the conversation we have every four years uh, as as each party is battling for, for their dominance. And, and they're talking about how they're going to be better for the world going forward. And the, all you have to do is look back at history. And the, the Republicans have impacted the stock market in a very positive way. And all the, the spending that adds up on the Democratic side is really going to take down this stock market. And if the Democrats win, the next four years of our life is going to be absolutely horrible. That's the message. That's the that's the message. But the reality is, that's the widely held belief. But that belief, sorry to tell you, is fake news. And we'll try to kind of explain why. I mean, it, again, sort of depends on what factors you look at. S&P returns, GDP, uh, recessions, booms and busts. But basically, that's fake news. And Lauren, you have one factor that kind of points to why. So if we take a look at this in decades, let's let's start with the 80s. So, I mean, we don't want to go too far back because then if we go too far back, then I think there's a lot more different factors that that are, I mean, the world is different today. But if we start with the 80s, we had this, the, this California governor come into town and he was extremely charismatic and people really could resonate with the message that he had. That, that was Ronald Reagan. And, and the 80s was really his decade. So it, from 1980, when he was elected to 1988, there was one year that the 
S&P 500 had negative returns and it was under 10%. So that was an extremely prolific time frame for the stock market. And then we look at 92. So from 92. But you forgot to mention Reagan, obviously a Republican. All the Republicans he, are cheering. He was a Republican. Okay, yeah, okay. Yes. Just, he just was a Republican. Sure. So now, yeah, go, go, go Republican. <laughs> 92. Here comes Bill Clinton. A Democrat. Now Democrat. the Democrats will cheer. Now, now it's time for the Democrats to win. And from 92 all the way up to 2000, the market was extremely powerful as well. There were, again, there was only one year that it was down. And if you remember in the late 90s, that was when, when the stock market was roaring in such a way that basically people were saying financial advisors were unnecessary. You could, you could take the Wall Street Journal, hang it up on the wall, throw a dart and hit any stock, buy it, and you'd make a lot of money. Right, the, the the market was that powerful, and then what happened in two thousand, and two thousand and one, and two thousand and two? We had three straight years of double di digit negative returns over that time frame. So we had the 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 eighties with a Republican, we had the nineties with a Democrat, and then we move on to another Republican through uh, the early two thousands. Which one's going to be better? Is it the fact that the policies of the, the Democratic Party are better? Is it the fact that the policies of the Republican are, uh, Republicans are better? Or is it all the other factors that come into it? And I think what is more, the stock market is more dependent on the uncertainty that takes place within these time frames and all these other factors rather than just is it the Democrats or the Republicans that hold office. And if you really like this concept of which party is better for the stock market, Forbes did an amazing article where they look back all the way to 1952 and look at each president who has served our country, what the market did, how many recessions, how many booms. So we will link that article in our show notes and you can really go in depth on this, uh, on this, um, and you can really go in depth on the, on this topic. Thank you. And you can really go in depth on this topic. And one thing I picked out of that article was you analyze data. We will go back to 1952 for this one. You analyze real stock market returns under Democrats, 10.6 return under Republicans, 4.8. Again, the commonly held beliefs, Dems bad for the economy, Republicans uh, good for the economy, that those numbers clearly would negate that commonly held belief. And then one more thing we want to look at, Abby, is GDP versus, what do you have, GDP versus debt? Uh, debt yeah, debt to GDP. Good. <laughs> You're the financial advisor. Sorry, you, or you, you, you talk now. <laughs> yeah, it was just interesting as I was looking through the article that you'd sent me just to see kind of as we walk through the timeline of those presidents and yes, looking at their you know, stock market returns, if you will, but also, you know, how that debt to GDP percentage has increased and how much it's increased in the last couple presidential um, timeframes. So when we talk about the importance of tax planning, because, you know, as a nation, we know that taxes are historically low and we know that our debt continues to climb higher and higher. It was good to see that information laid out in a way that was pretty easy to see and identify quickly okay, this is a real problem that we have as a country and taxes are, are likely to go up in the future. And that information showed what? That no matter when a Democratic was president, starting maybe with Obama, now into Trump, that number just keeps going up. Yeah, one of the things that I thought was interesting as I read through the article was just how the debt to GDP um, ratio percentage has gone up regardless of who's in office. So over the last you know 20 years or so, there's been Democrats and Republicans in office, but those percentages climb higher and higher you know, well over 100% now, which means we have a, a spending problem on our hands. And when we talk about the importance of tax planning, that would go um, 
to back that, you know, we should do some proactive tax planning because we know taxes are likely to go up in the near future. Which goes back to that political bias that that the Democratic Party are the big spenders and the Republican Party are these fiscal hawks. And in recent times, that's really not true. I mean, our, our debt to GDP has increased underneath the Obama era significantly. So here we are in the Trump era four years later, and the we've still seen that same type of growth uh, in the debt to the GDP. So uh, the times have changed. Uh, the stock market has not changed, however, meaning that the stock market is still going to go up and it's still going to go down. And it's very much dependent upon how unified the country is, what kind of other turmoil internationally comes into play within this country, uh, and what other uncertainties really lie ahead of us. Because the market does not like uncertainty. If you look back, go, you know, going back to the 80s, the 80s was a landslide election for uh, Ronald Reagan. In 1980, the, he won the electoral votes 489 to 49. 489 electoral votes to 49. The country was more unified at that point than what they are right now. In 1984, 525 electoral votes to 13. And that's why, in part, because of that unification, that's why we saw such a robust market in, uh, in, in uh, Bill Clinton's era. Very similar. Now, that's when we started to see things become a little bit more divisive because, because of some of the other antics taking place. But the stock market really preferred what was going on in the direction of the country. And there was a lot less significant uncertainty that might, uh, that might really hurt what Wall Street was trying to accomplish. You talked about some of the other factors that can create that volatility in the stock market. And we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the coronavirus and what it did to the stock market here in the early part of 2020. And then now talking about people's retirement plans, what it did to their retirement plan or possibly could have done to their retirement plan. And a lot of people didn't like what they saw. And the story's not not fully unfolded yet. I mean, this is the year of the coronavirus. We haven't ever seen anything like this. We've seen a lot of pandem pandemics before, but we've never reacted in a way. It's never had an impact us, an impact on us like the coronavirus did, where basically the whole world shut down. There were some countries that decided they want to stay open, but the entire world predominantly has shut down, which means the world economy has shut down. And when the world economy shuts down, we're going to see some volatility in the market, which is what we saw this year. March, we saw volatility that we hadn't seen since the Great Depression. So we're going, and that comes back to the uncertainty. Wall Street doesn't know what's going to happen. The market's going to go up on favorable news, and it's going to go down on, on unfavorable news. And that's what we're going to see for the rest of this year as we go into election season and we come out of election season and we go into 2021. There's still going to be a lot of uncertainties that are going to be present at that time. The market's going to react accordingly. Okay, so the question is, what can I do as someone who's... Get, entering towards retirement as someone who maybe is already in retirement. Maybe I saw what was happening to my portfolio in January, February, and even into March, and I didn't like it. It's not too late. I can take some steps right now for when that next volatility comes, because we do know volatility will come again. No matter who gets elected, there's always going to be some other factors that are uh, making for that volatile market. Yeah, I think we have a pretty powerful opportunity this year to reevaluate and adjust the risk within, you know, our portfolios or your portfolio if you're nearing retirement and you didn't like your experience in March because it recovered so quickly. You know, we're recording this in September now, so um, the market is back above where it started or the historical highs that were set in February. And that is 
relatively unprecedented that it would drop 34% and then recover in just a few months time. So what an incredible opportunity to reevaluate if you are kind of on the doorstep to retirement and that kind of loss or that kind of, you know, risk within your portfolio would significantly change your retirement plan or postpone retirement. Um, now let's, let's reassess, you know, and let's kind of build that plan, the comprehensive plan that then helps us determine how much risk can you afford to take? How much risk do you need to take within your portfolio now that we're back, you know, in record high territory in the markets? So let's say you saw your portfolio and how it reacted in March. You didn't like it. Do people always have a handle on how to change that, Lauren, or, or what it means from a planning standpoint? No, they don't. Uh, but that's the necessity of having a plan because the plan will be the key to how to get through all these uncertainties. And I think one of the things that, that you can really do to enhance your future from a retirement planning standpoint is don't be surprised. It's that easy. Don't be surprised. <laughs> We're solving all the big problems today. We know what's going to happen with the election. Now we don't be surprised. I like it. Don't be surprised. I mean, we can be surprised about the certain events that take place, right? The coronavirus, that surprised us. 9-11, that surprised us. We can be surprised by those events, but there has always been uncertainty in the marketplace. There's always been market volatility. There will always be uncertainties that we cannot predict, and the market's going to react accordingly, which is going to mean that we're always going to have future uncertainty or market volatility. So plan for it. The plan, we're not surprised by the market volatility. Put a plan in place where you're not going to get beat up by that market volatility, but you can actually take advantage of it. And there's many strategies, and these strategies change over time as legislative changes take place, as uh, current events take place. There's different changes over time that you can use to take advantage of the market volatility. But what, what do people always tell you as far as how to make money in the market? What's, what's the one key ingredient. Rochelle, you got this one? If not, I got my hand no, raised. No, you go for it. You, Tell us how to do okay, it. Okay, I got it. Here's it's, how you make money in the market, Molly. Buy low, sell high. Buy low, sell high. <laughs> That's yes. it. Ding, ding, ding. And if there wasn't volatility in the market, which volatility by its true nature, the definition is the market goes down and the market goes up. So if we didn't have the opportunities to buy low or to sell high, then we're not going to make money in the market. Volatility is that opportunity to do exactly what we've always been told as far as how to make money. But the fact is, though, is most people don't do that. Most people just ride that roller coaster of the market. They ride it up and they ride it down. And so if you have a plan that is proactive, as well as incorporates elements of reactiveness, then you can not only put yourself in a position where this market volatility, whenever it comes, doesn't derail what you're trying to do from a retirement standpoint. But in addition to that, you can take advantage of it. That's exactly where you want to be. And the only way you can really do that is by having that plan in place prior to the volatility. So imagine somebody listening who maybe is 55 years old and prior to 2020, they were in the market heavy, maybe inside a 401k, which is a common place for a lot of retirement savings to be. And they saw 11 years of positive returns, right? So as you guys kind of pontificate, which I'm going to ask you to do right now, I mean, was that 11 year stretch, you know, unprecedented or, you know, maybe they have 10 more working years. So they're thinking, oh, I don't need to do anything. You know, I can stay right where I'm at because we're going to, we're going to pick up and we're going to stay going again for 10 or 11 more years. Like I saw previous to 2020. We've never seen that many months of, of straight growth without a bear market, but the directionally it's not unprecedented. I mean, if we do look back into the eighties and we look back into the nineties, we had a very similar experience as what we had over the last 11 years. But what we saw, much like you were saying, Abby and I were doing this morning here, Molly, 
is that 11-year bull run put people to sleep. <laughs> it put people to sleep. And so this, this march was a really good alarm clock. It was a really good wake-up call for everybody to look around and say, here's the risk I'm taking in my portfolio. A lot of people, at least on a high level, have a good understanding of where they're at and where they want to go. But now it's, it's all the in-between. How do they get there? And one of the ways to get there is to not go backwards too far. And a lot of people, unfortunately, what we see when the markets go back too far, their portfolio goes back too far, too. And that really derails what they're trying to do. So this year, as Abby was saying, is a good opportunity to wake up, take a look around. Here's how much risk you're taking in your portfolio. Assess that amount of risk. And if it's appropriate for what you're trying to accomplish and, and, and where you feel emotionally uh, from a portfolio movement standpoint, then good. You're in a good place. If it took a little bit too much of a beating, it's going to derail what you're trying to do. Now do something about it. Put that action plan into place to make sure that it doesn't happen to you the next time we have market volatility. Remember, don't be surprised. The market's going to go down again. It's going to go up again. Now take advantage of it. Okay, so you both keep saying assess my risk. I still don't understand what I need to do to assess how much, much risk I'm taking. So what we do in our office with our families that we work with is utilize technology, right? So we input their portfolio um, information, the way that they're currently invested. And then instead of having that conversation of, you know, on a scale of one to 10, where would you rank your risk tolerance? Because what is a seven? You know, a seven to me might mean something entirely different to someone who is five years out from retirement. So we talk about it in dollar amount losses because that is something everybody can understand. So if you have a $500,000 portfolio and the way that you're currently allocated and, and invested today, you know, in the worst possible type market environment of that 500,000, you could lose, you know, 175,000. Is that something you're comfortable with? And then we kind of work um, backwards, you know, with a risk tolerance in mind, but also then from a planning standpoint, how much risk do they need to take? How much um, you know, should they take in order to accomplish all their goals and objectives. And what that conversation does by taking out the subjectivity of it is it aligns people's expectations because that does help eliminate that surprise. If the, if the, if the market is down by 30% and you know that your portfolio, when the market's down by 30, is going to be down by 20, well, you've made that conscious decision of saying, I'm okay with that. I understand that this is the risk I'm taking. I'm okay with that. So when your portfolio is down by 20%, it may hurt because you're down a lot of money, but you made that conscious decision of saying you were okay with that. That's not going to derail what you're trying to accomplish from your retirement vision standpoint. And by the way, if you're working with an advisor, that conversation was, was had between the two or three of you. So everybody is on the same page. What we often see is that people are not on the same page. They use the subjectivity or the subjective type of language of I'm a conservative investor, I'm a moderate investor, and, and that's where the signals get mixed up. $200,000 is not subjective. Everybody is on the same page. The expectations are aligned. And then if, if, if you go through this experience and then you realize that, well, maybe that $200,000 was a little bit too much after all now that I'm living through it, well, then you can have that conversation and you can make the adjustments necessary. So if you're wondering about your risk and how much risk you're taking in your portfolio, here's a great place to start. It's MerkleRiskScore.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E, RiskScore.com. 
com. There you can take a simple quiz and see where you're at. Then you can follow up with a retirement planner by scheduling a 15 minute retirement checkup call to talk about your risk and what you could do to adjust your retirement vision. And we made this risk score available because it does exactly this. It helps clarify in a really simple way. You go through six to eight questions, and then the the you get to see how much risk you are taking. So the next time we go through this bear market or the next time the market drops precipitously, you have a good understanding of how your portfolio is going to react. So one of two things is going to happen at the end of this risk score. You're going to say, okay. I, I understand my portfolio is going to drop when the market drops, but I'm okay with the level of drop it's going to take. Or you're going to say, hmm, well, that's, that's going to make me a little bit anxious. I don't want to take on that much risk. And now you can do something about it prior to going through that again. So today we're talking about the elections, the stock market and risk. And we also have to talk about when X or Y gets elected, D or R, donkey or Republican, they sometimes make changes. They make changes to the laws, and those changes... <laughs> donkey or Republican? Isn't that the symbols they use? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's the Republican, Oh, donkey or, Oh, no, no, call me out, Abby. Never not call me out. I call you out. I would expect you to call me out. You're right. Donkey or elephant. Thank you very much. Donkey or elephant, no matter who gets elected, they definitely at least have the ability to try to pass some laws that could affect your retirement. We saw that at the end of 2019. Lauren, your favorite new piece of legislation, I say that very sarcastically, is the SECURE Act, and it had a big impact on retirees. Well, it is my favorite. I mean, with the name like setting every community up for retirement enhancement. Beautiful. How could it not be a good thing for us? The legislative risk that exists, I mean, when we, when we think about pre-retirees and retirees and we're building their plans, everybody is so focused on this market risk because that is very explicit. When your portfolio drops by 30%, you see that hard-earned money, that hard-earned savings drop in a way that you are really unhappy. But the real risk, and, and I don't want to undermine market risk because it is real, but the probably most prominent risk that people are exposed to is legislative risk and then tax risk. Legislative risk, and when we're talking about the SECURE Act, what it's going to do as this country embarks on probably the world's largest transition of wealth ever – is going to put more money outside of the families who saved this money, and it's going to send it to the federal government. So now it's about what kind of planning can you implement, and this is where the adjustments and the reactiveness comes into the planning. So there's a, there's always going to be an element of proactiveness, but we can't control the legislators as hard as we try. And there is unpredictability in what they do and what they bring to the table for us. So once we see what they've done, now we reassess the plan and say, here's the true impact of this new legislation on the plan. Here's the adjustments that we have to make. The SECURE Act makes it necessary for most retirees and pre-retirees to reassess their legacy plan to see the real impact to them and their, their wealth transition once they do pass and make any changes that could be necessary. We did an entire podcast on the SECURE Act. You can check it out where you're getting this podcast. We urge you to subscribe and rate and review our podcast as well. And check out the SECURE Act if you want to go more in depth on how that could affect your retirement vision. Abby, you talked about taxes and the opportunities that there are right now as we do 
anticipate or a lot of people are talking about taxes going up and then also saying too if joe biden would get elected most likely he will roll back some of those trump trump tax cuts so families are coming into you right now saying i'm worried taxes are going to go up there are some action steps they can take yeah there's a couple things really that i think are going to be opportunities or potential risks um, should biden win but one of the big things that he's been talking about is changing how capital gains are taxed so a lot of families have these highly appreciated assets, whether it's a non-qualified account and they've owned Amazon stock since it was, you know, $200 a share. Oh, I wish my family <laughs> owned some of that. <laughs> what are these families' names? Could you give me some phone numbers? Here's the long lost daughter you thought you didn't know you had. Molly's now up for adoption. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, I love you, mom and dad, but we, they don't own any Amazon stock. Um, or, you know, farmland, anything like that that's been in the family for a while. So what he's talking about doing is eliminating the step up in basis on these non-qualified assets, meaning that as, you know, we pass these investable assets or land down to our kids, instead of them getting to kind of start over with the current market value as their basis, they're going to have to pay tax on any of the gains since their parents bought or owned, you know, set investment. So that's going to be... If that goes through, that's going to be a pretty big deal. And it's going to create a large desire to kind of take some of those gains off the table, I think. Um, but then in addition to that, just the income, ordinary income tax. So current tax rates are set to go up anyway in 2026. There's talk about even if Trump gets reelected, you know, he might have to increase taxes just with the deficit this year and the spending, you know, we've done as a nation with the pandemic. There's a lot of variables that indicate taxes are going to go up. So you know, maybe it makes sense to consider a Roth conversion this year. If you have retirement assets that are tax deferred and you think you're in a lower tax bracket today than you might be next year or in 2026, then, you know, it's worth doing the analysis and just identifying, you know, what might make sense and kind of having that outside counsel or someone to help you through what that process might look like. Um, because it's not something that is talked about very much with a lot of financial advisors. But I think the tax conversation perfectly encapsulates why we're seeing a lot of the volatility because never before, at least in my lifetime, have we seen as much polarization in this country. I know there has been a lot of polarization before. I mean, think about the Vietnam era. But in my lifetime, we have not seen this type of polarization. And what that does is, again, it goes back to creating that uncertainty. There was an extremely, extremely scientific poll that was created. And that poll said that 50% of people thought that taxes should go up in some particular way or fashion. The other 50% thought that taxes should be eliminated completely. Oh. <laughs> but but nearly 100% feel like taxes will go up <laughs> before they go down. Was this like you pulling the office or what? <laughs> or the four of us? It's I a don't... late night poll party. <laughs> You're at a bar? What? what? Merkel, this poll makes no sense. <laughs> But if but but all the conversations that Abby and I have with pre-retirees and retirees, I mean, that's really the poll, right? We have these conversations. A lot of people feel like taxes should go up on a certain in some way. A lot of people feel like taxes should go down in some way. But almost everybody feels like taxes are going to go up. So now it's a matter of what do you do about it in your particular situation, not only from a tax standpoint, but also from a market standpoint. We cannot control the election. What we can do is go out and vote for whoever we want to, we can control that part, but ultimately the outcome we cannot control. We cannot control the markets. We cannot control if they go up, they go down. What we can control is what kind of plans do we put in place for ourselves to get us to where we want to go. 
even with all the invariables, even even with all the uncertainty, nobody knows exactly what's going to happen except for if you take action, if you take steps to understand where you're at, where you want to go, and the best way to get there, that's the best action that you can possibly take, and that's where that comprehensive customized plan comes into play. And a great place to start is with the risk score. Find out how much risk you're taking Get that information and then take it one step further. Give a retirement planner a call. Have a conversation about what you can do to help improve your situation to have your best retirement vision. That retirement checkup call, you can schedule it at MerkelPlan.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E Plan.com. Right there, you'll link to the calendar of the Merkel Retirement Planners and get your 15 minute checkup call scheduled. Another way to learn more about your retirement vision is this podcast. It's Retiring Today, and we thank you for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. Well, if we just take the last, you know, if we look at this in, in, in decades. So if we start with 80, 1980, that was the decade of Ronald Reagan, essentially. This was this governor from California. He came in. He was very, uh, very good speaker. And he took over the country in 1980. So if we look at this in decades, right, we start with 1980. We had this, uh, what's that word? I'm Why do you keep actor, charismatic? Like you're looking at charismatic actor? Yeah, maybe. Kind of going through Reagan's persona? Yeah, yeah, Well, if we look at that, if we look at this in decades, right? Let's start with the ni- 1980. We had this very, very char- charismatic actor from... Uh, charismatic? So let's take a look at this <laughs> in decades. So let's take a look at... <laughs> so let's take a look at this in decades. And we start with 1980. We had this this guy coming... Uh, the, so let's take a look. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you need an energy drink or take something? It, just take a deep breath. <laughs> the rest of this. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>